Welcome to the Big Stomp, the Bunkerzilla radio show that roars at the latest stories and discussions in geek culture today. So, what are we waiting for? Let's start stomping. Yes, it's 8pm on Thursday, the 25th of June, and this is The Big Stomp Live. I am the Raggedy Man, Chair of the Bureau of Geek and Nerd Standards, and joining me tonight to stomp through the most interesting stories of the past month, we have three amazing members of the Bunkerzilla team. And they are Leslie Byron Pitt, co-host of Hustlers of Culture and Shameless Renaissance Man. Lee... Screwing up already. Uh, Lizzie, redheaded rambler and games demolisher. And Nathan Blades, host of the Passion Project podcast and queer android streamer at the Neoncast on Twitch. And as always, we have you, the wonderful people watching this live and throwing up your thoughts on the topics discussed on the Twitch chat panel. Yes, we truly love our peanut gallery and all who sail on her. So... Uh, first up, with a tasty morsel for us to chew our way through, we have Leslie. Hello. Um, yeah, I decided, well, I was wondering what I was going to talk about for this, and I decided upon uh, on the sad, tragic death of um, Joel Schumacher um, as my subject of choice. And the reason why I decided to, to, to pick that is there's a lot of revisionism about um, uh, a certain a certain movie that he made, and there was so much more to him than just Batman and Robin. I felt there was more to him than Bat Nipples. There was more to him than so much more. He was a really interesting filmmaker, operating in this in the in like the height of synergy in the '90s. Um, started quite late for a filmmaker at 42 and managed to kind of kind of pave a way of elements of queer cinema in the mainstream but also make interesting political statements within his movies as well as making them kind of key entertainments and one thing I found about him was he managed to be um he managed to do this with an element of humility, but he managed to do, he managed to be not everyone's favorite filmmaker or, or someone who made loads and loads of films that, uh, that he, he never seemed to make anyone's favorite film, but everyone had a film in his filmography in their, on their DVD ta- uh, desks or shelves or, on streaming, they were, you know, asking to see it. I had someone uh, ask me to borrow the, my, uh, my copy of The Lost Boys and and everything. He just seemed to have this knack of tapping into something very, very easily um, and tapping into really entertaining um, or entertainment, so to speak, really easy and a varied genre of entertainments as well. This is someone who made teenage teenage um, vampire movies with Kiefer Sutherland. He then went on to make he then goes on to make stuff like Phone Booth or Tigerland and and bringing Colin Farrell into in, into things. That's an amazing filmmaker to, to me, even if he wasn't my filmmaker. Um, and I, I always find it a bit sad that we're in this age now where 
um, fandom and geekdom is really in the mainstream. They're all about the canon. They're all about um, everything kind of just kind of growing and kind of encompassing everything. And, and we're looking at stuff like the, the DCU or the MCU um, Mm. and we're looking at all this stuff. And if anything goes wrong, you'll see a filmmaker come out and go, oh, well, we made this for the fans. Don't worry. We, we made it for the fans, so don't worry about that. All these people saying bad on it, whatever have you. And then I look at John Schumacher, who who made that movie, Batman and Robin, and he came out and even though that movie did make a, a, a certain amount of money back and, and whatnot, it didn't go the way he wanted it to. And he apologized. And this hmm. that to me is a a man of a certain amount of humility that you don't see in filmmaking. And he's an, and to me, I think he's an iconoclast that we're never going to see again. Um, Regards that, regards that film, um, excluding all the tie-ins and all the merchandise sales on that, uh, it was 160 mil budget and 238 mil box office. That's not that bad. It's not, great it's not the magical double double the budget but that that's yeah. not a total many people have made much less money yeah so even his quote-unquote worst movie which i think has got me, many merits to it um that's not a disaster that's that's a bad movie no i i, and, I agree i mean it's the problem is with the idea of a bad movie um is it's a bad movie in the minds of of, of opinion. Uh, you, I think sometimes people seem to forget that you need to like filmmakers are there to get it under budget, get it out on time. That's mm-hmm. that's 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 it really to a point. Uh, the artistic value of some of this stuff, as much as we love the artistic value, like I really love the artistic value. I'm a you know a massive fan of David Lynch and all this stuff. Like there there is it when it comes to mainstream movie making there's a reason why people like michael bay movies and it's not just what, like stuff blowing up and and his and his crass sexism or anything else like that it's under budget he does well in meetings he gets it out on time and that is the the big thing like, there's a reason why fincher doesn't put his name on alien free that sort of thing um and if 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 Joel Schumacher wasn't doing that, he was blowing uh, blowing out budgets and doing everything out and, and everything else like that. Fine, fair enough. But no, he wasn't. He was getting it on time. He was getting it out, and it was making money. And mm-hmm. not only he was doing that and making money, like his Batman films. When you go back and look at them, they are horny. <laughs> you just realize, like, not only they are horny. You just realize how unhorny Christopher Nolan is. Mm. Like... Christopher Nolan <laughs> seems to have forgotten that having someone in very tight clothing at the peak of physical, uh, you know, phys- it, physicality yeah. is hot. <laughs> and so... Schumacher just went, "Yeah, I'm going to make the Batman I want to fuck." Which, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's that's been definitely true of a lot of um, what people would consider male and female power fantasies, sex fantasies, and power fantasies of like superheroes in particular. Uh, Batman being a really good example of because when you have kind of like a superheroines, um, they are designed in a very specific way of having sex appeal that appeals really uh, well to male gaze, male yeah. eyes. 
And then sometimes when people speak up about that, it's kind of like, oh, well, look at the dudes, though. They're also, like, super, like, ripped and, like, you know, in skin-tight clothing. Surely they are also horny in the same way that I find these superheroines horny. And and actually, as it pans out, no, not really. Uh, at, mm. for, for the most part, looking like you've got multiple grapefruits sewn under your skin <laughs> isn't actually really that sexy for many people. Um, <laughs> there is there is a craft in making in making superhero the superhero look um, uh, attractive to to gay men and straight women that is different mm. from just making them jacked. And yeah. Uh, yeah, isn't it called I, I casting? That... Isn't it called casting Jason Momoa? <laughs> I, I guess I've never been one for Jason. <laughs> oh, fair um, enough. But I mean, I, I mean, I I mean dude. Right, <laughs> I, if there was anything that was to go and get me to see that movie, it would have been Jason Momoa. But I'm kind of like I, I'm I'm weird. My I, I'm not really one to have like a celebrity crushes at all. Uh, it kind of stops and uh, it kind of starts and stops at Jake Gyllenhaal, which I think is probably a weird pick. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's it it it, it, ta- it takes some crafting to um, or just a, a degree of like pleasant subversiveness to go like, oh no, we're not shooting for the male gaze with this with this styling. Um, yeah, that. That um, and I didn't realize actually that he directed the Lost Boys until until he brought this mm. topic. I really, yeah, he, mm, he had a really no. I was going to say he had a really diverse um, catalog of stuff. Mm. He did. Uh, I mean, the one that broke him was broken big was Saint Elmo's Fire, which was gigantic, and that is basically a a team brat pack drama up mm-hmm. up there in in that early eighties style. Mm. So. Yeah, but the, the, it's also snuff films like um, uh, snuff. I say snuff films. He made the snuff, the snuff film with Nicolas Cage, eight millimeter. Yeah, um, which is dark again, as hell. It is dark, and it and it is talking about this kind of trans transgressive sexuality. And I don't want to make I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm connecting it to what you were saying, Nathan, in terms of um, uh, the male gaze. It's just the fact that he seemed to expand and go go really wide with this stuff when it came to mm. sexuality and and for me i always find that i find that interesting because my other podcast day job um not any hustlers of culture i, I do a, a, an erotic film erotic film podcast mm. and um his movies haven't come up as of yet but i think something like eight millimeter kind of has to because he he is this kind of guy that just looked into this stuff and looked at what what men find interesting about about women and and sometimes it's not very nice and it reminds me a little bit of um the jane campion movie in the cut Mm. uh where they are doing where he's doing stuff which kind of comes across as messy and Mm. and and difficult and it's it's really fascinating to see someone like um wrecking phoenix in eight millimeter as well because the way he plays that there is a kind of um, I wouldn't say a queerness about it, but there is something where he's, he's seen things and he's been part of really strange, or, or, of things that he considers strange or transgressive or, or, or things that are kind of outside that norm of sexuality or that spectrum that we, that someone like myself would look at and go, oh yeah, the, the typical kind of thing. And he was really, really good at putting it in the mainstream. And I find it fascinating to see a man like uh, a man like Schumacher do that in this culture now where 
the so-called culture war, uh, culture wars are very sort of i don't know uh, we seem to have forgotten everything that's happened since <laughs> a certain point and realizing <laughs> like there was so much more going on and we we're doing it like quietly it was quite, not even on the quiet it was Joel Schumacher he was outwardly gay and mm-hmm. and being able to turn around and do all this really interesting stuff That's sorry really, Lizzie um, I apologize <laughs> no I, a friend of mine who is a big movie nerd then it's not Andrew <laughs> um, he classes Joel Schumacher most directors as he puts them have a niche that they fill for, mm-hmm. and he calls Joe Macca, Joel Schumacher a, the sliding scale director in the He'll be at one end where he's doing, you know, campy weirdness like Batman and then Batman for Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, all the way up to gritty realism like, you know, eight millimeter and stuff. So he said that's why he likes him as a director so much because you never know what you're going to get from Joel Schumacher film to Joel Schumacher film. Yeah. Mm. Like if you followed, like he's say, you've got he's done what has he done? Uh, as Station Controller says, Phone Booth, great movie, yeah. and The Phantom of the Opera. Like I love mm. that movie, and. Yeah. You know, for a movie of a Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, he did a really good job. Unfortunately, it was hated by the theatre crowd and not really appreciated by the movie-growing crowd, which was a shame for me, because I was like, why do you not like this movie? <laughs> I mean, the, the thing for me is he, he did, he did um, Falling Down. And, and on Hustlers of Culture, me and, um, me and uh, Hugh... Uh, we've spoken about this offline, and and Hugh's kind of he's not a fan of that movie, um, not a not a particularly big fan. I can understand why. It's there's quite, a hawkish, quite rabid neoconservative, yeah, film. Mm. Um, but one of the things I find quite interesting is to see a, a, a filmmaker like Joel Schumacher tackle that fit, that kind of stuff. Um, whether you know how I f- how how I might feel about the politics of it is one thing. How I might feel about it as an entertainment might be something else. Obviously, this is these are sticky wickets that we kind of try and extrapolate. Sometimes, sometimes you can't do that. Mm. Um, but I, I I find it I find it very very fascinating to see a man like Schumacher make a film like that. These days, I don't think you'd be able to 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 kind of do that. Um, hmm. and and not only that, not only do that, but I don't even think we have anyone that uh, in these days that would be able to actually look at it and talk about it intelligently. Um, these days, it's so super. Uh, I think the arguments that a lot of people have online is so superficial. Um, and I think there's a lot more going on in these movies, whether or not you like them or hate them. It's one of those things. But I, I we- think it's probably you wouldn't be able to turn to uh, the AAA high budget cinema production for those kind of stories. And I think um, a, a point to, to rewind slightly to a point earlier where I brought up The Lost Boys is because there's a really interesting history. And how you mentioning um, uh, 8mm and that being kind of like a horror so like a very bloody intense and physically objectifying movie um the connection between horror movie horror cinema and queer cinema is actually really closely intertwined yeah um even going back to like bram stoker uh and and dracula bram stoker was a, a closeted queer man and good friends with um Oscar Wilde, um, yeah. and that carries in all representations of vampires since then, whether people have been cognizant of it or not. Um, so the, the Lost Boys being so heavily layered in um, the queerness almost being text, but not quite, for if it was text, it would never have made air as it were. <laughs> um, 
And uh, that, that happens in a, in a large number of, um, of horror films. Um, a Nightmare on Elm Street 2 comes to mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. As, a, as, a, as a very, very strong example. The director swears up and down. He didn't realize it was a quote. Oh, my film. Oh, no. The screenwriter was like, nah. <laughs> the, I, I actually put that in on purpose. Oh. And you can, mm, mm. <laughs> so, you know, the, 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 that he was uh, an openly gay man and, uh, working it in and consistent uh as a consistent queer theory readings through most of his work is uh really good you know that he yeah. was I, I guess him reaching auteur status and i've never really felt uh, i felt some type of way about auteurs um even within like batman forever not doing great and then the blame falling on him well he didn't make that movie by himself and there's a whole bunch of other factors the fact that it was an ip and they have restrictions in that could have all sorts of reasons could have ended up resulting in it being bad not just because he directed it so it's kind of un unfair of him that he had to apologize like what that's, that's <laughs> kind of messed up um but yeah, the the fact that uh him having the fortune to be considered an author and also motorcycles going on outside of my room i'm sorry i have to have the window open it's very hot today. it's okay it's okay um, we have a no yeah. boiling to death policy on this show mm -hmm. mm. there's uh him so to wrap up the point i'm sorry apologies for rambling um him being given the uh, ability to um uh, be an author and therefore being given kind of a free reign to put that subtext into his work is cool as hell yeah <laughs> yeah i i love the uh, uh, i've got here al want uh, al wants to play a game saying how can how can one man make so many different types of movie mm -hmm. um i think you've got to be open i think it's it's the biggest thing that i've always found to be an issue um with um, when I was studying, when I was studying film at, at, at college and at university, and like kind of making kind of the, the student film, and bumping into other people who wanted to be directors and wanted to do all this stuff, but they were so only interested in their own little things, and they were it was such a narrow, like a really narrow, narrow um, perspective. Mm. I'm, no, I'm not really surprised they didn't they didn't open up and engage and kind of go on to do anything else like creative because I think it would have been a really tough time for them. Not mm. to say that you can't go down these kind of rabbit holes uh, or, or whatnot um, to do that, but when I look at some of my some some of the directors I really really love, they have their themes, but they start to put these themes in so many different little in, in so many different spaces. Uh, it's it's that kind of thing when people talk about um, oh Spike Lee and he only makes one type of movie. No, he doesn't. It, it, it's it's race in school and and it's, it's in, and it's racing in on a hot day in in summer and it's and then he goes into kind of sexual politics with something like Chirac or or she's got to have it. The and these films kind of open up and become all these different things. Um, mm -hmm. Like one of the reasons why I like Spike is because he basically made the black version of the producers in Bamboozled, and it's like the idea of looking at that movie, looking at something like the producers, and making it that way and subverting it that way was, I think, is amazing and intelligent and smart, and and it, it holds up and there's a relevancy there, and I think that's the same thing with with Joel Schumacher. Mm -hmm. The the one the one thing I'd say is that. The guy jumped around with what he was doing. There, there, there's never been, other than 
he did The Lost Boys in 87, and then his next big project was Flatliners in 1990. Mm-hmm. And they're two kind of similar Brat Brat-packy, uh, Packy horrors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Other than that, the guy just never did anything consistently even when even during his batman period uh both movies both movies that was intercut with a time to kill which was a deep south racial drama um and he just it looks like a person who just enjoyed making movies and just found scripts and went all right i'm done that i'll give it a go and was really happy to play things i mean there is no quintessential Joel Schumacher movie to me. You no. can't point at any movie he's done and go, yeah, that's everything about Joe, Joel Schumacher because he was just constantly cutting things up, whether that because he was working extensively with the producers, you know, making the movie they wanted or whatever. That mm. That's a skill. Yeah. Just to have a crack at all that. I mean, like the Jack Snyders of the world at the moment who made their career out of doing a type of movie. Mm. <laughs> you got Schumacher bumping a line and then go, yeah, I'll do a comedy, whatever. <laughs> but it, it also kind of shows what might be the limitations of certain filmmakers. Um, and again, when I say that, it doesn't mean that these guys are are bad. I think the problem is when you when when you when we say certain things like, oh, it feels like this this filmmaker has a limitation here. Uh, I think people tend to think of that as a negative and it's like no i think it's they might not be as open or they might not be able to branch out as 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 much as we would like them to into certain things and that's just it, it, unfortunately sometimes it's just the way it is um the thing about someone like joel schumacher is similar to someone like rob reiner rob reiner's like first five movies are phenomenal they're unbelievable in in terms of uh, the sure thing misery um uh i'm trying to think of it i'm trying to think of it now but the the, the first for rob reiner five are all over and i think i think one of them yeah let me just find out one second sorry but it's the internet um google yeah imdb <laughs> Okay, yeah, fine. But, well, he searches. Well, Lizzie, well, you had a point. Well, yes. Yeah, no, just you saying about like for some filmmakers being limited. I, there is nothing wrong with doing what you're good at. Like, I mean, look at Woody Allen for Christ's sake, if we must. Mm. Like, he has a type of movie. He has a sort. He has a story arc that he likes. He self inserts himself into every single one of them. Mm-hmm. But it does the man well. Well, it used to. <laughs> yeah, but okay, like I'm talking like the Annie Hall era of of Woody Allen movies rather than some of the more recent stuff that he's done. But, mm. you know, just because you have a niche and you fill it well does not act, detract from your work. Whereas Joel Schumacher, I think he was one of those guys who's like, no, you know what? I don't have a niche. I'm going to try this because it sounds like fun. I, I look at his like back catalogue. I mean, one of the films on there, I didn't even realise was a Joel Schumacher film. It's called Cousins. He did it in 1989, and it is one of my favourite films ever. That's a Joel Schumacher? Cousins is a Joel Schumacher. Yeah. He did it between Lost Boys and Fat, Flatliners. I didn't realise it was Joel Schumacher. I love that film. Oh, you have to if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's so weird, but so amazing. <laughs> no. So yeah, sorry. The, the the Rob Reiner five was um, this is Spinal Tap, The Sure Thing, um. Stand by Me, uh, The Princess Bride, and then When Harry Met Sally. 
and then that, also, that... and afterwards is misery. My God, <laughs> doesn't good... as a resume. That's quite. Yeah, I, I, I don't. The super broad, I guess, yeah. in a similar kind of way. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I just, I just find that those kind of filmmakers are. You'll go, I think we're going to see. I think I, I feel, I feel like we see less of that, mm. um, because we are kind of operating in a stage where, if I look at a Marvel movie, the director can be replaced and then put in a director that will fit into what looks to be, I wouldn't say a template, that's not the right word, but a kind of signature style. It's formulaic. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And that it kind of, it's no surprise to me that that you're looking at the guys that they're getting kind of went from TV and do what I do, what kind of Joel Schumacher do, but in, 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 in the sense of get it on time. Mm-hmm. make it make it on budget but they don't have that kind of they, they're not allowed to kind of move out of that and and put their own little things in there like you know it's no surprise that edgar edgar wright couldn't do wasn't really you know creative I, differences you know i i think that's i think that's because they're that's the producers trying to sell, trying to tell and sell a single narrative across Form. multiple formats and multiple situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas a standalone movie is its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also get that strange situation where you get fan... I, maybe I'm being dumb or whatever, but the, this idea of a fandom for a creator, for, for a director, <laughs> that, that's relatively new. I mean, everyone used to love Spielberg, but it was... You knew it was going to be a f- good film rather than Oh, I'm a fan of steel. You know, not it's just not in the same way as it used to be. Yeah, I think I think uh, it's very I'd say it's mutated. Yeah, yeah, I'd say it's mutated. Mm. The, uh, also, the the current culture that we're kind of in with uh, accessibility to uh, the creators of works. Um, mm. You know, social media social media is is a is a is an interesting thing for good and for ill, but it uh, gives everybody the ability to directly reach out to people who make the art they love. Um, and that can be really positive and really useful, but it, uh, it definitely uh, can result in um, having being a fan of a specific person because you can talk to them. Uh, you know, um, I, I think like people in in like video games, Kojima wouldn't be the person that he is definitely now uh, if people couldn't go and tweet him things uh, and contact him in that kind of way. Um, I, I suppose where we we if we want to kind of return to the kind of early. 80s era of auteur directors who can kind of make their content uh, unabashedly, uh, they would have to very resolutely not be in social media. That's <laughs> probably a good thing. That's probably fine. They should maybe do that. It would and be a great on, thing. And on that point... Mm. <laughs> segue! Segue! See what I did there? I oh, see yeah, my I, job I, I for me. Just, I like that. It was good. If, yeah. if you, if you want, if you, if you want to, you know, if you want to run the show next time, go for it. it means I can <laughs> charge in with even more bullshit. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, tonight, I, tonight, thanks to Nathan's lovely segue. Uh, what do you do, and how do you process when all your faves become problematic, or what to do once you find out the creator you love is deeply prof- problematic? <clears throat> J.K. is a transphobic horror. <clears throat> <laughs> oh, who said that? So, um, I'm assuming everyone is aware of what she said this time. 
I in a given can give a monkeys. Yeah, I will. I will just say now that I know what she said was was quite negative, um, but because I don't follow the circle so much, um, I don't know exactly what was said, um, and not only I don't know exactly what was said. Um, I tend a, a lot of the time I'm trying to stay away from a certain type, a certain amount of negativity online. Which is fair enough. That's very healthy of you. So basically what happened was she retweeted a thing about creating a more equal post-COVID-19 world for people who menstruate. That was the title of the thing that she retweeted. And she went, mm-hmm. people who menstruate, I'm sure there used to be a word for those people. Something, Someone help me out. Wumben, wimpund, womaned. And it was like pointed out to her that that might come across as incredibly transphobic and she doubled down by going i know and love trans people but erasing the concept of sex removes the ability of many to meaningly meaningfully discuss their lives Hmm. which i don't know there's already things of like there are already women who are cisgendered who don't menstruate for a variety of medical reasons yeah i mean Mm -hmm. i'll put it out there i haven't had a period since 2011 you know, uh, apparently you're not a woman now. Sorry. Um, <gasps> then what the hell are these on my front, on my chest? <laughs> but again, that doesn't isn't something that makes you a woman. But like, you know, mm-hmm. I I was assigned female at birth. I have always portrayed myself as female, but I don't menstruate, so that doesn't that means I'm not a woman anymore. Mm-hmm. This is when they break out the if buts and maybes and try and get around the fact that what they didn't mean. Uh, was transgender people because they want to say something transphobic but don't have the, ironically in this case, don't have the balls to just go, I don't like them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, she's she's got history as well, but it's sort of like a lot of people are now incredibly upset because it's like, but I love Harry Potter, but she is a transphobic horror. What do I do? And it's mm-hmm. like... Can you remove the creator from a thing that you love and still love and want to still love because it has meaning for you? Or do you have to give up the thing that you love, which is another horrible like thing? I mean, yes, okay, we're, you know, adults and stuff. But, like, I have a niece. She's 10. She's obsessed with Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go to a 10-year-old and say, no, the thing you love is problematic. Get rid of it all. Like, when she's older, yeah, sure, have that conversation with the kid. Surely, surely the question... The question is, is Harry Potter problematic or is the creator of Harry Potter problematic? That's, it, there it, are if, interesting, I guess, media crit things that you can do about that. Um, the whole process of reading a single text through lots of different lenses. Um, one of the reasons why um, there are a large number of the LGBT community who are really frustrated by this is because there's a really easy reading that you can make about uh, a kid who's in an abusive home and then he has the ability to leave that and find you found family and find success away from the people that he's supposed to be tied to and hates. And there are plenty of uh, uh, queer people who see that story and be like, I really identify with that, I get that. So then when the author of that says, nah, you know, count, that can be really, really frustrating. Um, Similarly, now that we know uh, more about J.K. Rowling's values, reapproaching those texts again with those in mind, uh, pull up new ideas that you didn't really consider before. 
Uh, it's been discussed for a while about the kind of like uh, goblins that run the banks in Harry Potter, or, or at least as far as the movie is concerned, long-nosed and really greedy, and there's already archetypes and stereotypes that go with that that make you go like, hmm, is that something that she intended? Is it something that she didn't intend? Was it, sure. was it just very lazy nicking of other stereotypes and not hmm. considering where those stereotypes came from? problematic but in a different kind of vector to the the kind of creator herself but then we also know that apparently as far as the movies are developed she has a really really uh, almost Anne Rice iron fist around how those are produced so then she would uh, then assume does she have that kind of creative control to kind of see those things um, there's the whole thing about house elves and that they enjoy slavery actually which is like and the way they talk is very stereotypical of a mm, certain period mm. of cinema and depictions <laughs> of people yeah, for me, as like a black guy, um, I really enjoyed the first uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them because I love uh, beastry lore and um, uh, how magic works within settings. And I was like, ah, oh, this movie's really good. I love it. I enjoy that the monsters are really cool. And it's like in jazz era, 1920s New York, but there are only two people, two black people on screen ever throughout the entire movie. And one of them has like a Southern mammy accent. I'm like, hmm. I like this movie, but, and but is underlined many, many times. So, you know, it's it's always interesting to enjoy a work and then be also really hyper-cognizant of the reasons why it's not meeting up to the standards that you but, would personally enjoy. I mean, um, also, I mean, using a, char- using a character example from the Harry Potter books, a Chinese character is called Cho Chang. Oh, God, yeah. mm-hmm. And Pavati Patil, yo. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. And I mean, if like in the movies, they she started like the 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 girl that Ron dates, which I think is Pravati Patel. As I say, I mm-hmm. haven't read the books for a while. In the movies, she starts off and she is actually, you know, racially diverse. She's the and then suddenly she's a white girl. It's like, mm. what happened there? That's a that's when a magic relevant. spell. When she's mm-hmm. relevant, yeah, yeah, okay. Polymorph potions or something, I don't know. <laughs> Even then, God. But, I mean, with the naming thing, though, and this, <laughs> not defending her, mm. but, you know, like the most adventurous name she came up for the white people was Neville Longbottom. So she could just be awful at naming people. I mean, Draco Malfoy, that's a pretty cool name. Or Narcissa Malfoy. Like, the, the villains had great names in Harry Potter. Villains always have great names. Except for possibly Voldemort. That one was always, that always thought sounded like a bunion to me. He's Marvolio Riddle or whatever. Yeah, Um, Tom Marvolio Riddle. The number of things about the books that I now am recalling now we're talking about it. I, I got to book five and fell off. Uh, because I was also 15, and I'm like, I don't care about your angsty personal issues, Harry. I'm also having angsty personal issues. And then never never returned to the rest of them. And in the back of my head, it's like, Nathan, you should probably read the others. And I guess um, not. I guess that reading has now been cleared from my backlog. And I, I, I read all the way through, but that was just because after Order of the, of the Phoenix, I wanted to see him get his comeuppance, and that didn't mm. happen. Mm. Uh, even though Harry Potter is probably personal responsible for 20% of the deaths in that series which he could have avoided by not being a twat mm. but anyway it's a, it's a lazy passive passive character um, I don't really want to say too much um, here um, I don't want to I don't want to go d- delve down into into that I don't and the reason why I don't necessarily think all of this is my place 
and I think that in itself is kind of like the thing, you know. Um, I find it very what you see is sometimes con- the people who forget about context and correlation, and seeing a writer such as J.K. Rowling turn up at one point way way after the movies have been done way way after the books have been done and going yes yes one of those characters yeah they could have been gay if you think that like that way <laughs> and, uh, almost like an afterthought and mm. and then and then when you really delve into it and you see and, and you see a, a, a segment of people actually turn around and go so what do you mean by this then and then you see this this writer kind of dig and dig and dig and, and go deeper and you go oh, you are not the person that I kind of thought you are. Mm. Um, it's, I think it's really tough to take. And not only I think it's tough to take, I think it's one of these things where it, it is very, it's, it's very difficult. Now, for my sins, being a football fan, I deal with this a lot. Mm. And one of the reasons I deal with it a lot is is because of, uh, like on, on, on larger economical scales, watching one of the most the, the most current popular um, football teams or sort of successful football teams at this moment in time um, winning awards and doing so well and, and, and seeing them on TV and getting documentaries made and, and whatnot. And the problem is the money coming through from them is, um, is, is coming from a place that a lot of people would say shouldn't come from at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have to turn around to a whole bunch of people and go, yes, yeah, it's, it's not right about that money coming from there. And you go, yeah, but, and, but you see these people, these, you see these fans turn around and go, we are finally successful. We're finally in a space that we would never be without that money. How do I feel about that? And mm-hmm. it becomes very knotty and it becomes very messy. And I think sometimes I again, this is not me condoning what she says. I think sometimes it is unbelievably difficult to remove yourself from so much of this stuff because how far can you remove yourself? There are so many things out there. We were in the middle of a pandemic, and I feel so bad when I can just pick up a phone and click on Amazon. Mm. knowing the situation with what's going on with, with Amazon. Um, and you, yes, you can find the, you know, you can go elsewhere and find those little ways, but they have such a, a stranglehold on everything mm. that therefore it's like, Oh, so it's almost really difficult in order to, to maneuver it out and around mm. from this. And uh, uh, to bring it back into media, I, I have a similar problem with Ronan Polanski. Mm. Polanski yeah. is a man that, um, survived the the Second World War and is removed from that and had his wife killed by Charles, Charles Manson's followers. And yet the things he did after that involving, uh, involving children and kids and the, the way that he flee makes it really, really difficult for me to look at something like The Pianist knowing that it's coming from one period of his of his life that he wants to talk about and not the other period of, of, of stuff that goes on. It's the same with repulsion. Repulsion is one of the most enthralling and interesting movies about a repressed woman in 60s 
London. Mm. And how difficult is that to to watch someone go, you've really nailed something here. Now knowing this new information that we know about him, it's unbelievably difficult. And I think sometimes to go back to the topic question to say, can you? I think sometimes a lot of people are trying to force someone to reconcile with this in, in ways to, it's actually really that is actually difficult depending on the artist mm. so for me yes i'm never going to have to watch jeepers creepers again because that man that man who made it is a child uh, is a child rapist mm -hmm. and that is nothing on me but with other things yeah it does become difficult considering when you watched it how you watched it yes the new materials on there so yes you can take a step back but i find so sometimes it might be an educational thing to look at this stuff as in terms of writing if you look at something like woody allen mm -hmm. um again it's not me condoning this no, and no one, no one is, no one's saying mm. that you are. But um, Zaldi, I do apologise. I'm trying to pronounce your name wrong. Zaldera, we're mm. going for. Uh, it says they've already. Um, but when it comes to problematic creators, the best thing you can do is to be informed, find out about what the creator has done, if their work shows signs of those problems, etc., and make up your own mind on the matter, which is mm. a fair point. But the, the the thing with someone like say J.K. Rowling that I have a problem with is that she is not aiming her media at adults who have minds of their own who can make informed decisions she is aiming it mm. at the younger generations who you know they they don't understand about you know trans rights or you know racial diversity or anything like that they're kids that's you know as far as they're concerned you know do you like Legos? Yeah, you're awesome. That's about the level of kids. I'm not a parent, I'm going to be honest with you. So it might be different, but that's sort of what I've gathered from children. Uh -huh. And it's like, as, a, as an adult who knows that the child in your life is deeply, deeply in love with this series of books, how do you, like, how do you as an adult knowing that that child loves that series of books and wants stuff to do with that books, which goes to that creator, how do you as an adult willingly still buy the stuff for that child because they love it, knowing that you're also feeding into someone's narrative that you don't agree with personally? Like, that, for me, mm, is mm. the it's issue true. I have. On a, well, on a pure well, economic level, there's second-hand bookshops. I was going to say the same thing. Um, and it's in a position that doesn't to that doesn't solve the, enough to, solve the problem, yeah. but that is a way of purchasing legally get, getting the material that doesn't enrich the creator any further. Can hmm. I uh, on, on an on an additional level? I'm I'm a massive massive Roald Dahl fan. Hmm. Um, big big fan of Roald Dahl. However, there are elements of his life. That we, can oh, yeah. look, mm. that we can look back and go, oh, no. <laughs> you know, oh, mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. um, oh, that was a bit racist. However, I grew up with those books. Uh, I, live in, I, I live in Bucks, so I've gone to the museum. Uh, I... I, I, I really, really love his books. And one of, my, one of my most prized possessions is when I was 11, I got um, Boy 
and going solo and it's signed by my father and, and written in there and, and written in there i just take it i've taken it everywhere with me it's one of those and it's just one of those things and also this kind of brings to my point watching the the film willy wonka and the chocolate factory the the uh, the 70s film mm-hmm. in which i watched that film and my dad turned around and go les jr come here and it's exactly what he said, uh, and 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 then stated to him, he goes, "What did you learn from that movie?" And he asked me questions about it and what and, and what and what I learned from it. Mm-hmm. And and he goes, and when I was like, "Oh, I thought this and that and the other," and he goes, "Well, yes, but one of the most important things that you see in that text is the ability to learn to tell the truth." Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important that there are there will be things within that material that kids can look and understand and that parents will can look at and sit down and talk about the good things about it Mm. it's like you know it's one of those things where like Enid Blyton Roald Dahl (laughs) like all these guys have just have just got these 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 histories which are really really annoying but I've read their books Mm. and you can you can look and you can i still i I do feel that you can extrapolate from that but it it, it takes education it going back to what um zaldera zaldera i apologize Uh, apparently it's saldera 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 gallery needs a a pronunciation guide (laughs) (laughs) but what she's saying is about making up her mind on the matter is like it is about the education of this all it Mm. is about turning around and going and and saying right so the the text is saying this unfortunately the author is saying this what do i say from this and what can i do to grow for uh, to, to grow and, and and build from it from it mm-hmm. and i think the important thing of all this always is empathy yeah. i i think the problem i constantly have with the world that we're in be it cultural on one side or the other or the other it doesn't matter to me the problem i'm having with all of it is empathy and the fact that so many people do not seem to want to have it or give it mm. and the and the other idea is that we're all on the same even keel online is so silly when it comes to the idea that someone will come up and say something and the first thing is like well i'm coming from this background this 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 and the other and automatically i'm thinking they're on the exact same background and they don't have the like some people just uh, they 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 they're not coming from the background knowledge that you you have so it is a situation where you you do have to look at you uh, as a parent from all i can see is you look into your own life and everything else like that and you can sit down with someone and talk to them about it when you feel that they're at a certain age Hmm. Uh, I, I realise that we're we're going to uh, be moving on for time, but you I just shoot. want to get a quick point in. Sorry, please. Uh, two two quick things. Um, one, uh, critical. Uh, I think this. I think this is why uh, critical understanding of the media we consume and encouraging uh, children as part of like educational curricula to critically consume media is really really important. Um, all the kind of book reports on why Harry Potter is this and why books are that I think is seems dumb at the time, but actually the critical skills you gain from that are really important. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of uh, what Saldera was saying earlier uh, about um, problematic creators and looking at how it features in their work, uh, very recently it was highlighted that comics writer Warren Ellis um, has had a history of uh, taking 
uh, young female people in the comic, young female creators in the comic industry under their wing, uh, doing kind of like uh, texts back and forth of a salacious nature, and then uh, moving on after the fact. And uh, that uh, was, you know, um, uh, believing the the victims of those things, um, looking at the rest of his works, like Transmetropolitan, which is a comic series I absolutely love. It is a genius piece of cyberpunk fiction uh, talking about uh, gonzo journalism and politics. Um, but the main character, Spider Jerusalem, who is a badass devil-may-care reporter, uh, who is supposed to be a bad person, but still has just something of a cipher for Warren Ellis as a writer who takes on an assistant way, way younger than him. Of legal age, but definitely way younger. Mm. Uh, and then after there being a lot of back and forth for how he shouldn't have an intimate relationship with her, does and doesn't really have any comeuppance for that. And that on its own in the narrative is a plot point and that's a thing that happens. But then when you have the wider context of who the person who wrote that is and uh, who they are as a person, the things they do, that colors that now. And now I have to go through the same thing that people who are reading big fans of Harry Potter and really identified with that content about and whether they want to continue to consume it and be part of that fandom. I have to think about how I feel about Transmetropolitan now, um, knowing that that's in. I think I might even actually read it again with that in mind and see how I feel about the work as a whole. And that's like a personal journey that people who love the media they consume have to go through, I suppose. Uh, but that's, yeah, what I wanted to Lizzie, any, par any parting thoughts on this one? Uh, I think it's really do what you feel in your heart is best in these situations. Mm. As you say, it's very subjective. Like for me, Harry Potter, it's a thing I read as a kid, but I am aware that a lot of people, like a lot of people, it is people have had harry potter weddings their kids nursery has been harry potter they've named their kids harry ron or hermione or any of the other names and it's you know it's like do what you do what you think is best and just educate yourself as well as you can and maybe have that conversation with kids when they're old enough mm -hmm. happy thoughts tom happy thoughts let's go happy on to something thoughts. good nathan make us <laughs> filled with joy I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to end this on a high. It's grounded in some um, difficult stuff. Uh, the last uh, three weeks have been very difficult as a black man, a black man of the internet. Um, a black, I, was I, that black man or black man? Blackman as like a contracted single word. Right. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm I'm being facetious, but genuinely, I had uh, to delete Twitter off my phone because I was doom scrolling too hard. There was oh, just, don't. There was so it was it was um and because I'm I, I was uh, starting a new job that was very time intensive, and so to not look at my screen, I was looking at Twitter, and that was not helping. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, there were a variety of kind of like grassroots creators who were like, we're making content and we want to uh, do something to kind of help uh, black and queer communities because it's also Pride Month if you weren't aware. Um, is, but indeed. also use our art mm. to do that. Um, and so uh, itch.io, which has been the kind of like um, the other other white meat as uh, <laughs> <laughs> for... for um, uh, Steam and uh, Epic Games as a repository for all sorts of um, indie and outsider gaming content. Um, they do bundles similar to kind of like um, Humble Bundle and Steam Bundles. Uh, and they did an open bundle 
called the itch.io bundle for racial justice and equality, where anybody who had made uh, paid for content on itch.io could add that content to the bundle. The bundle is a minimum spend of $5, um, but you can pay as much as you like. And all of that, all of the funding would be split evenly between the NAACP Legal Defense and the Educational Fund uh, and Community Bail Fund. And uh, they raised $8.1 million in a week. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> uh, in, initially, it was kind of like small of like a couple K. And then they had to keep extending the kind of stretch goal for it. Uh, it now, the bundle as a whole has set 1,741 items from 1,391 creators. One of my games is in that bundle. Oh, so this um, is a self promo piece, right? right. <laughs> yeah, I know. This is um, uh, I'm I, I I can I can I can I can. Well, the thing is, the bundle's now closed. So if you didn't if you didn't get the bundle, you don't get the game that I designed for free. Uh, I do tabletop RPGs as um as a, as a hobby. I, uh, I have I have that bundle. My hard drive is crying. <laughs> uh, at least it gave it gave you the option to specifically download what you wanted yeah, from the bundle. Guess, uh, with a, with a bundle that size, it's no one is able to make an informed purchase decision when you've got that much game in it. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> but that's I, kind of the beauty of it. I find. yeah, I um, I'm going to take that more. And this is no disrespect to any of the. Let's face it. There's a football league of people involved in that project, <laughs> but that 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 is an entire gaming community going. Yeah, sod it. We'll give we'll give cash to Black Lives Matters and Pride. Um, <laughs> that's great. That's you know, brilliant. it's 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 just, it's uh, in in both senses. It's uh, great that um, in a similar way to one of the reasons why I really love like the games done quick streams is that. Uh, the general kind of like outpouring of kindness to watch somebody beat Mario 64 real fast. Um, <laughs> and we've all seen Mario 64 beaten real fast by this point, but we still yes. give like millions of dollars to a Médecins Sans Frontières. I can pronounce it using the French accent, even if the Americans can't. Um, <laughs> they just call it Doctors Without Borders. Um, but, I'm not uh, going to judge you yeah, pronunciation skills. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the people are, are really uh, willing to kind of like open their wallets to really good causes, but also being able to put so much content that you wouldn't have at all thought to look up. Uh, hmm. And now they have the opportunity to discover this wide range of people. There's definitely like big name people in it. Um, some of yeah. the big name games available in it are Celeste, uh, Into the Woods, and Pyre. Um, there are more obscure indie games like Nog, A Short Hike, and Hike and Art School. Um, there are big tabletop RPGs like Blades in the Dark and Lancer that are part of that as well. Uh, Blades in the Dark is actually quite an expensive book. I think it's about 20 quid even digitally. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, and then there's so many teeny tiny indie games, both tabletop and RPGs and stuff like art assets and, and music packs and stuff that lets people make their own art as part of that bundle as well. Uh, I'm going to be picking through that for like months, finding interesting new content to play, to stream. Uh, I just think that's really cool that just discovering a whole bunch of new artists and I'm really excited, I guess, uh, to, to kind of discover new people. I've, I've always found that really neat. Um, I, I, I hope that happens one day for other art forms. Like, I don't know, if there was a big um, cult film bundle ranging from 
dilemme for murder to tangerine to uh something that is just a whole bunch of tiktok videos artfully slotted together uh, <laughs> i would get that bundle man that'd be sick youtube.com <laughs> yeah, I was say, yeah um, but then i would have to give the money to google as opposed to you know yeah true uh, anyway. so um, just as a point, I have my bundle page open because I couldn't remember exactly how many pages of games I now have access to. Because um, when I, I bought the bundle when it first came out, and I was like, oh, yeah, they'll, that looks good. You know, a couple of thousand. There are 59 pages for me to go through now. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I'm going to manage <laughs> this because I am one of those people. I have bought the thing. I must play the thing. And I am... Probably going to have to start streaming a lot of these because otherwise I'll have no idea what I'm doing. But I oh mean, God, same. Like I, I mean, even if it had been like ten games, I would have thrown money at it because what a cause! Like especially in this sort of political climate, is that the word we're going to use? Is that the phrasing mm-hmm. we're going to use? Um, like I cannot quagmire. I I would use quagmire as a word. <laughs> I mean, funnily enough, I cannot really speak about racial injustice because. I I white like and but I am fully behind any any sort of movement like this because people deserve the same rights as everyone else because we're people mm-hmm. like you know I will just I will just say um just a point there I when you say you you have no right to, to talk about it what do you mean? I mean that I do not have the right to stand up and go, my opinion is the only one that matters. What I have the right to do is stand up behind people like you and Nathan and say, listen to their voices. They deserve to be heard on this matter. And I am going to use my privilege to shout other people down to give you guys a platform to have your voice heard. Right. I, that's what I, mm, that's what I yeah. mean. I didn't possibly phrase it in the best way possible. Like, no, I, I, I just didn't want, I didn't want a situation where what I find is I think a lot of people feel that they, they can't speak about, about, about stuff. And by, by when, when someone says that, I, I feel that they might close themselves off. No, mm. what I mean mm. is I cannot speak as, as yours or Nathan's experience as, people of color because i am i have not experienced that no 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 that i granted i i it's one of those things that i'm fine i think i'm finding with all the with a lot of the conversation online and it's one of the reasons why i think that having like this this tabletop game will be so interesting is to to have a said platform to see what people can do because Mm. that's a lot of time that's what anyone would just want yeah that's this is a big problem it goes back to our the the last the last segment it's just you you're just seeing people who are erasing people from just from anything and i don't i I don't think it's not wrong for someone to to kind of to speak out it's just about what are you going to say (laughs) actually to raise something that uh lizzie said uh about kind of like using uh your voice of privilege to uh increase the platform for other uh black creators that has been a surprisingly interesting pressure that i didn't know i would have to deal with until recently i don't know les uh les let's talk about the black experience at the moment tm um I, I, I know that you have a, an interesting relationship with kind of social media um and in terms of uh putting your content out on social media like twitter or 
uh, Tumblr or wherever you kind of like promote your content. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, do you feel the eyes on you or is that just me being weird? <laughs> yes and no. Um, you've de- you deleted Twitter. I've stayed on Twitter. I've not really said too much. Um, and I think one of the reasons why I've not said too much is I've, I think the problem I have with a lot of it um, mm. in terms of the black experience is one, I've been saying some of this stuff for years mm. upon years upon years. Um, I found it really, really interesting to see certain uh, film publications kind of come up and, and say and say certain things. I've, I find it very interesting to see people ha- um, putting a hand out and, 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 and saying stuff. I don't think you shouldn't, I don't, I, I think sometimes it does feel like it's, it could be pandering, but I also feel like if that chance is there, there might be a, there may be reason to, to take it. Um, I also, I also find, and this, uh, hopefully doesn't sound as controversial as it, as it might come off, but my issue with, uh, with my concern is a better mm. word with, um, things like, Black Lives Matter as a hashtag is, I think it sometimes it can get lost in the same way Me Too or um, Be Kind can get lost. It can get pithy. Yes. It's very mm-hmm. easy to turn around and go, be kind, be kind, hashtag be kind, and not and have it not really mean anything. Mm. Um, and I think this is the problem. I think this is one of the reasons, I'm not sure if you feel it, Nathan, but I know sometimes I do where it's just like, oh, wow, you're, 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 you've, you've realized that I take pictures, you've realized that I write, you've realized that I do this, you realize that this. I think it's important for, I think it's important to realize that there have been people who have realized from the start that I do this stuff and have you, and have worked with me and have used me not just to be a prop. Mm. And it's about trying to, again, extrapolating and finding, finding those right people. But it's also a matter of, now that the eyes are on you, it's about finding your own way and saying, well, this is what I'm thinking right now. Mm. And, 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 and going, look, I've had this stuff and I've had this stuff for years. I, I realized from college to my age now, I've been writing film reviews for almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether or not I'm good is a different story, but I've been doing it for almost, uh, almost 20 years in, in this same with, with podcasts and the podcasts I've been, podcasting um with um a certain person who is the man behind the curtain <laughs> for um <laughs> I, I started i started my podcast career career with him for for five years hmm. um and the thing is i've been here i'm easily approachable I, you can find me we can do you can talk movies and and, and do this so when people have come up to me and said that I've had a word, I've, I've spoken to certain people, found a couple of collect connections, people have, have been tagging me in things and it's been good. And it's generally been good. It's very warming. And it's nice to know that there are people who have been following me for ages who are going, actually, let's try and see what we can do mm-hmm. on the other side of it. I know for a fact, there are a whole bunch of people going, I need to do something and I need to be shown to be doing something. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that is that is what it is and it's just one of those things where it's just like okay well you're here now are you going to follow me are you going to walk are you going to going to take this walk with me how are Mm. you going to feel six months down the line when i'm very frustrated on on 
on this aspect and this aspect and this aspect of of what we're talking about or i've followed i followed a lead and they only want me to talk about the works of spike lee or or just black movies in general oh man you I... know it's, it's are <laughs> oh, these people going to so real yeah are they are they are, are we going to have that situation because as a world as a um as a fan of very very middle class white movies believe me look at my look at my <laughs> collection um i can write about them and i can talk mm-hmm. about them and i can talk about them very 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 well um and and i it's got to be a thing where it's like if you're going to follow me how are we going to expand and how are we going to move from there i think we we've got to stage one and, and everything else like that mm-hmm. i think my problem is i have no problem having eyes on me because mm. <laughs> i've been I mean, here <laughs> yeah yeah I, I guess i don't necessarily have a problem with eyes on me like the influx of attention that my work got in in the recent month even like partially at part of the the bundle uh, and then partially just in kind of like oh here are some other black people in the tabletop community because there there are not that many um <laughs> There are like 10 and nine of them play Dungeons and Dragons and I firmly do not. Um, I don't know, man. I'm going to have to sell out if I want to be famous. Apparently that's what I need to do. I need oh, to go no, don't sell well. out to d and D. I I no. mean, a, a friend of mine calls it Dungeons and Dip Bleeps. <laughs> I, there are, there that's is, a terrible there is... name for it. Dungeon and Dip Bleeps? <laughs> but that doesn't even scan with d and Oh, man. Uh, but yes, I mean, I'd uh, say, I'll tell you about it later, Andrew, because I don't want the station controller yelling at me. Oh, <laughs> fair, fair. There are there are uh, many things that can be talked about in terms of D and D and the company that owns it in relating to the previous topic that Lizzie was running. But we don't have time for all of that. Tea. <laughs> oh, um, mm, hey, uh, all I'm saying is, if this means that everyone has to go and burn their D and D books, I'm all in favour. <gasps> no, do you know how much those things cost me? I'm not freaking burning them. <laughs> Yeah, those you know are like forty quid hardbacks, man. <laughs> Not one penny. Look, uh, mm. look. Hey, Dun- Dungeons and Dragons is a great like starter drug, but there are other systems to use. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, right. I, I, this is the point where I gesture to the bundle full of RPGs <laughs> that you can go and try. Um, that's, the, that, that, that's the thing, though. It's like it's six months down the line. Mm. A, are you still the official? Um, representative of the black D community to talk <laughs> to be there and talk about blackness in whatever oh that's that's critical bard um right. there is a, a somebody who is a there's a specific there is a guy specifically for that job as it turns yeah. out maybe self-imposed interesting i i i, I, I think the day <laughs> the, the daily show had had uh senior black blackness correspondent at one point mm, which i just mm. thought was absolutely perfect so are, are you you know are you getting all these things because you're actually good at it rather than just because they want to hit some kind of I mean, you know, you, I want I want two, to think are that they I'm throwing uh... cash at you. All <laughs> these all these creators it's like I'm supporting this creator. How? Yeah. I'm telling everyone about him. No. People are Funny. following the account but are they subscribed to the Patreon? Cash um, is the most sincere form of flattery. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. In, on on that note Andrew like, you know, I have a fixed budget of what i can spend yeah. so if i find a creator that i like sharing them out there i will help because mm. it might get someone I, else to spend money you know, I, like, I fully I, I fully appreciate people have budgets and i fully mm. appreciate people have 
limited amount of cash and not everyone can throw money around. I'm talking about in a general situation, you know, you can jump up and down and go, oh, I found this. I'm trying to, I found this magical little black person doing this niche little thing. You could have people <laughs> jumping up and down and, and go, look how many black creators I followed this month yeah. as much as they want. But until the money turns up, <laughs> and I'm not pointing at you personally, and this isn't a, an attack no, on you personally. I mean, there's other things I'll attack you on personally, Liz, later. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's purely this whole sudden influx. Great, now give them money because yeah. they're creators and creators need cash. I find well, it really I find it really interesting because um I remember being um going to Nine Worlds and I was asked to ooh. be on on a to be on a uh, panel for Nine Worlds mm. um uh, about diversity in podcasting. Mm. <laughs> and it was representative for the black there. podcasting world. <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah. And um and it was it was me and it was you and it was nice and it was interesting. And so someone kind of asked that question or kind of asked, asked that thing. And one th- this is a couple of years back and it was talking about diversity and one thing I said was well this is the first time I've ever said this to anyone but when I saw that there was an element of sea change in terms of female criticism and female uh, females in film and podcasting, everything else like, uh, or, or, or writing and, and, or anything else like that. All I did was I didn't say anything. I just started to seek out mm. other people. Mm. And this is the thing is like, if you're making a big deal of it, people will question why, like my thing was just to find different voices and to interact with them and to speak with them and and to talk 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 to them, mm-hmm. and I think sometimes sometimes I've gone I, I went down a road and there was uh, there was things I just didn't I didn't gain the I, I, I response I felt was was encouraging and then there was other things where I was like there's people I talk to again and again on Twitter and, and I share their stuff and I talk to them and it's just about talking to people as equal. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, this is the sort of thing I'm, I think I'm is being lost in the education of this all. One thing I was saying to, so uh, one thing I said on a forum somewhere to someone is it's about the idea of being looked at as equal because to be talked down to is so exhausting <laughs> And 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 this is the thing, and and sometimes having for some people having their eyes on them is also exhausting. Mm. And I, so, and I, the way I see it is, right? Okay, so you're now following, you're following people, and you're interacting with them. Now it's time to do interesting work and talk to them about what they do, how they do it, and yes, you know the other thing, the money and. And having that come in, but I am someone who, with the, some of the stuff that I have done, I have been I, I have been paid one you know every so often. Um, not at, now with a new influx of new followers or anything, but I have been paid uh, once or twice every so often. But I know what the the landscape is like, and because I know what the landscape is like, I've always kept a job. Mm. Um, and realizing that this is a passion for me, I would sometimes I would rather have someone have a look, just place their eyeballs on things um than anything else however my coffee is afro film viewer if you're interested you know that <laughs> oh yeah i mean yes. the, the stuff i do is is never gonna make 
I'm never going to be able to give up my day job for uh, my stupid, stupid product projects. But every time, you know, someone gives me a couple of quid for a badge. Yeah, it is. It's what I mean by it. it you know, it is the sincerest form of flattery because I had loads of people come by the stall and go, wow, that's really funny. But yeah. for someone to actually go, I, 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 I worked to make this money. How some of it, I like your stuff that much. That yeah. is, that's what I mean by, by cash is a sincerest form of flattery. Mm. Yeah. Um, um, I only last year I, I, I got published in a, in, in film stories magazine. It's the first time I've ever been published. Oh, hell yeah. Um, Congratulations. Um, for, um, thank you. Um, uh, for, for film work. And when I say published, it's, I'm, I don't mean the internet, even though that is published in a way, but, but like print, it, you know. in yeah, print yeah. It's, it's still something. Oh, and, awesome. and, it's it's it was phenomenal the idea that someone turned around saw that and go here's here's a thing I'll, I'll pitch you this see what you can do with it and uh, you know you 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 produce you you produced it and it was like here you go this is your thing and I was like wow you know it's it is still a warming warming thing but sometimes the most warming thing is some like I I just posted on my my own blog um, a piece on the rules of attraction. Um, and I absolutely adore that movie. And I knew that the way I wanted to write about it may not work for any, anyone's style guides or anything else like that. So I just published it and I've just had, you know, you just have people go, I really like that piece. And sometimes that can be enough. Mm -hmm. Depends. It depends on what you're in here, what you're in here doing and and what for and, and whatnot. I, I like my struggle at this moment in time is, I'm trying to create a book, a photography book of, uh, of different, of different models. And, and, and a lot of it will be more women and there'll be different types of women and, and shooting them through a lens, which may, may not be as sleazy as they've seen. It's been seen before. Hopefully, I don't know. I owe the beholder. Um, but the trouble I'm having is trying to find the right people who are willing to 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 do to to do what I want to do and trying to budget money and time mm. and making sure that the people that have that are get get their, their their due or whatnot. That's you know sometimes it's really really difficult when really what you really want to do is just try and get the art out there and that's a you know that's another. That's a whole different. Yeah, so ball game. art is hard. Who knew? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The there's, there's a reason. There's the trope of the starving artist. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. well, some of that's because most artists are awful and deserve to starve. But yeah, well, there, there was also like the whole you know drugs, drinking, women sort of thing. I, Man, I just if like... I could get away with drinking that much absinthe, I absolutely would. Um... Oh yeah, but it would have to be the old school absinthe that actually sent you crazy, not this new stuff that apparently tastes like mouthwash. Um. <laughs> It does does not taste like any mouthwash I've ever had before, and the old school absinthe was mostly did that because they mixed it with terps. And wormwood. Um, it was more the terps really that <laughs> that, that did it because um, that's terps. <laughs> and old school terps as well. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to not know. this newfangled new <laughs> stuff. Healthy low cal terps. <laughs> God, vitamin C added terps. Oh. <laughs> It it is that messy thing though. It's like whenever whenever there is a moment 
in social inclusion, which is mm. essentially what is happening at the moment. You know, people go, mm. hello, please yeah. can we be people? Um, <laughs> there is that moment where the, 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 the crea- they be- as creators, they become the hot new thing. Mm. And it's great if they're actually allowed to just I mean, here's here's effing hoping, right? Like God. I'm <laughs> I'm trying I'm trying to be everybody's parasocial fave out here. <laughs> I mean you're always you're always the hot new thing. Um, <laughs> I mean I'm I just, am hot, that's true. Um, all I, hot. <laughs> I think we need to exchange um exchange contact details at the end of this, Nathan, because I I'm already thinking of something that I want to do with you, which would be quite oh, interesting. I mean, dinner oh, and the baby I, but... first, but um... <laughs> My wife is in the other room and I, you know, <laughs> that is not hey, what I meant. Hey, I'm not I... saying that she's going to be mad about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, hello. <laughs> no, 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 I ain't like that. I ain't like that. But yeah, I, I mean, I guess, you know, uh, even before all this, I was making... Uh, rebellious queer content about people raising up their communities and Mm. pushing back against the establishment even before any of this was going on. Everything Mm. has changed and nothing has changed. You did Um, it before it was cool. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. It was no... I I mean, I'd like to think that being punk was always cool, but I I might be in a a limited subset of people that believe that. Um, (laughs) I mean, all I ever hear about punk is that it's not dead, but no one will explain to me why it's not dead. (laughs) Uh, the, the, the general ethos and uh, Andrew because they exploited said it wasn't dead. <laughs> um, I, I, look, I'm I am very white and very middle class. Punk was sort of a thing that happened, and I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I think uh, Andrew can correct My me stuff. if I'm wrong on the, uh, like, on oh. the description of this. But ma- making punk stuff is basically just like, ah, oh, it'd be really cool to make this thing. And then you make it, even if you don't have the skills or resources, and then you revel in the fact that it's probably going to be kind of shit, but you made it, goddammit, and you made it with your friends, and that's kind of all that matters. Yeah. I mean, that's how, that's how I approach cosplay. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, for real. That, I mean, that's that's still an art form. Uh, everybody is able, I, I guess, everybody's able to make art. And I would never uh, tell people to not make art, especially yeah. now when we're locked at home and have nothing to do but make art or go crazy. Yeah. Um, but recognize that most art is going to be pretty bad, including my stuff. And that's okay. <laughs> I, I, built, I am allowed to make loud queer trash and I enjoy I, I, doing that. <laughs> I built an entire brand around being very bad at art. Mm-hmm. Um, but Leslie. Yes. You were going to explain the Hulk Hogan principle. Ooh. Uh, yes. Oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> so the Hulk Hogan principle is this. Um, for me, it is the idea that when Hulk Hogan was caught on camera and and his uh, his his details got sent through to Gorka about what he was doing, sleeping with his um his friend's wife and saying this, at one point he turns around and he's talking about Brooke. And one at one point he sort of talks about Brooke's boyfriend at the time and saying that she he doesn't want her doesn't want to date the N-word. Um that came out. And when that came out, it was a bit. It was a big, big thing with a lot of people, and you know, obviously, yeah. he got got booted out of WWE at one point. Now he's back in because it's WWE. Um, but there was a big, big hubbub about what he said. Now, the principle that I've been saying to people is this: 
everyone was more annoyed at the fact that he used bad language than the idea that he wouldn't allow his daughter to date who she wanted to date. Mm. And I find that fascinating. And I always now call it the Hulk Hogan principle. Um, the idea that, that we need to tone the wording of everything as opposed to the greater, greater, greater problem that is, that has just been kind of, it's, it's the dead cat kind of thing, you know, it's, mm. um, yeah, but it's just another way of, of, of kind of saying that. And that's why I call it the Hulk Hogan principle. No, I, I, I agree with you on that. I mean, I was, I, I was earlier on, I was going to comment on uh, what Lizzie was saying about how like white people like myself don't get affected by racism i mean i'm not going to pretend that we we get affected as much Mm. as Mm. you know non-white people because like that that's basically the entire concept of racism is that we get it better but we do get affected by it because we're not allowed to enjoy non-white stuff Uh, we're not allowed to enjoy non-white stuff just because it's cool you know Mm. and that that is is there is a social control going on that does in impinge on us and i'm not going to pretend it's as bad as it is for anyone else but mm. it's this idea that it doesn't affect us it's like yeah actually it fucks yeah. over, fucks about with our lives as well I mean, and... what you're talking about there andrew is cultural appropriation versus cultural appreciation mm. um yeah. well just the just the idea that okay. i mean that in the in music there's the in the rock world there's still so many bands. It's like, oh my god, they're bl- they're black people playing plunk, or there's black people playing heavy metal. Ooh, and it's like, dear Christ, bad brains, grow up. This has been around for ages. <laughs> they're all of a certain skin color is irrelevant. As someone who and absolutely it, like adores, um, someone who absolutely adores Nine Inch Nails, and goes, I went to see them live, and the look on people's faces is mm. an absolute picture. It's a brilliant. You just go in there, and people are like. I don't know what to do. And I came with my cousin and my cousin's not, wasn't really a Nine Inch Nails fan at the time. He, he came because mm. he had the chance to go and see it. So he printed t-shirts about like just really weird t-shirts about, I'm going to see Nine Inch Nails. And it's like <laughs> really, really <laughs> odd, <laughs> odd, odd, odd thing. So we went in and, and, see, and the, the looks of people going like, uh, what, what? And it's like, this is Trent Reznor. Uh, do you not know what Trent Reznor does when he's not doing this stuff? Like, mm. <laughs> like when he's not doing none of his like he was scoring Watchmen. There's a reason why he scored the, the score for Watchmen. There's a reason mm. why you see him on LP, uh, on, on the music of LP, mm. obviously LP, who now does Run the Jewels with Killer mm. Mike. And like, he's really into into that stuff. And mm. um, it's, 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 I, going back to what Lizzie said, yeah, it's 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 about appreciation and how you sense that appreciation. I think my my problem. I'll try and sum it up as quickly as possible because I don't know how much time we've got or anything else like that. We're, but, we're, we're good. Station controller hasn't told us to bugger off, so we're doing fine. <laughs> yeah, it's but, Twitch. We can go as long as we like. <laughs> but there is, <laughs> there is there is a um there I was I was on a photography forum and someone turned around and was like. Oh, I've had enough. I've totally had enough of all these these male uh, these male models doing hip hop gang signs. Um, huh? They, they look like they look like dicks, and I I didn't say too much. I just go. I keep forgetting how narrow minded people. Are. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and, and then he obviously he tried to elaborate, but just digging digging further. Yeah, but in the early days it was okay, but now it's just like and it's just like it's all just gangster stuff, and I'm like. 
but you have no like it's like you have mm. no basis of of <laughs> of what hip hop culture is or its music or anything else like that. And that is the problem. You can always tell the difference between someone who kind of appre- who truly appreciates a culture or the culture by the questions they ask or mm-hmm. how or, or what they're into about it or anything else. Like that. And then you see the people who look at something like Jay Z and just go, "Oh, he's all about." bitches and bling and this that and the other and it's Mm. like all right okay so you have looked at you have picked this 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 and you think those aspects are that that was never any of the four elements of hip-hop that was Mm. never the first four um but you think that and it's the same with you listen to people who talk about Oh, I don't like. I just don't like hip hop music. It's like you know, as opposed to I listen rock to music. everything but rap and country. Yeah, yeah uh, because yeah. and, and oh, that's for, such for a... some reason because it doesn't have, it doesn't have instruments. Okay, so you don't know who the roots are. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's lazy. That's what it is. It's just lazy. Mm-hmm. It is it's country. There's some wonderful country out there. Oh, absolutely. I, um... it's, it's this idea that oh. Apart from anything else, it's like, well, what you mean is you listen to the charts, which is never good music, mm. and you decided you're not going to like it because of something other than the actual music. You heard something that was that was different, went, well, I'm not going to like that, and then you decided not to. Or, I mean, I think it's one of those things. Like people say, what music do you like? I'm like, music. There are <laughs> there are certain artists that I really enjoy their music, yeah. so I listen to a lot of their stuff. But it's like. I don't care what, what genre them. I don't care what the genre is. If someone says, "Oh, listen to this song, you'll really like it," and I'll listen to it and go, "Oh yeah, okay, that's really cool. Yeah. I'm going to add it to my playlist," mm. or I'll go, mm, "What else you got?" <laughs> like <laughs> some some like there's some music I listen to and I'm like, I don't get new wave, yeah. but I, there are some new wave tracks that I'll listen to because they're kind of relaxing. But it's it's like if you end if you end up listening to stuff that's outside of your designated cultural pigeonhole, mm-hmm. <laughs> and when you get people going, "Oh, you're just trying to be different," it's like, "No, I heard it. It's an absolute banger." I'm just or, super it's, into it's microtonal like if, right now. Why are you like this? I mean, <laughs> if you ha- it's like if you have sushi and people go, "Oh, do you think you're Japanese?" It's like, "No, I think I like fucking sushi and I'm hungry. Back off." Okay, on that note, like. Looking at me, you would say, hey, she's British or possibly one of those other, like, white <laughs> countries, right? I know that Britain is not, like, a predominantly, but, you know, we're, talk- we're getting mm. into the mindset of racist. I was born in Hong Kong. Wow. So yeah. I grew up with Chinese, a lot of Chinese culture, those stuff. So in, like, my house, I have a lot of Chinese stuff. I still remember I had someone come over once. Like, they were, like, a tra- they were, like uh, coming to, like, do some work on the on the flat. And they went, oh, You've got a lot of Chinese stuff in your house. Do you fetishize the Chinese? That was the exact phrase that came out of their mouth. And I went, uh, no, I grew up with this stuff. Like this was my mum's and she gave it to me when I got my own house because it was part of my childhood. Oh, what are you? Some sort of insert word here that I'm not going to say lover. And I just went, get out, get out of my house, please. Uh, 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 But again, it goes back, but it goes back to what we were saying earlier about, um, the, like the J.K. Rowling segment, where it's like mm. it is about the education of this stuff. Mm. It's like mm. you, when you see something different, what what are the questions you are asking, mm. um, or I and and why are you asking? And I and in the same way that I pick my battles between ignorance, um, it's the same thing. Where why are you asking me that question? Why are you asking me that question about 
music I listen to? Why are you asking me that question about um, my how I treat my hair? How, or why are you asking me about where I'm from or anything else? Like that? It's like, are you interested in the islands? Are you interested in or anything else? Like that? Or are you just just ignorant? Like that's that's that that is the thing that again. It, because it's been, because so much of this stuff is taught in very broad terms, mm. you're seeing people get really frustrated because they have to do a little bit more work now about mm. about everything. Tiny. And, uh, uh, your horizons is so hard. <laughs> I hate learning new things. Yeah. Uh. Oh, my cultural palette has been extended. No. I but hate it, discovering new flavor. <laughs> That is another th- another thing that we need to talk about one day. But, like, but, mm-hmm. yeah, but um, oh man, there is a uh, I, there's a guy. Uh, I live in a, a converted hotel, so it's almost like individual like flats. And yeah. somebody who's moved in a little recently in the before times um, <laughs> visited me when we went uh, outside. Like, <laughs> mm, uh, like came into the kitchen, being like, "Oh man, the the foods that you cook smells really good. You're just always cooking." And I'm like, "Man, I just know how to season chicken. This isn't." <laughs> Weird. I'm not cooking anything strange. I just have like garlic powder. (laughs) Yeah, like spices are for everyone. You don't have to be from a certain culture to use it. It's like, you know. But you'd be be surprised. You'd be surprised at like, because again, it comes down to the idea, like when you go into like the idea of cooking, cooking culture, Mm. I'm I'm constantly shocked. I've, I've worked in offices for so long and I'm constantly shocked by the amount of people who, they go in and they have their their sandwiches or anything else like that and they they're like wow did you cook that because it is it's it's not a it's not a thing to to some people the idea of 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 cooking or 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 it being in a jar or 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 anything else like that it is it's fascinating it's fascinating to see like with me what my thing was i really like this how do i make it Mm. and for some people it's just like i like this i like eating it and it's it's just is it, it is that different thing but but again it's it's the it's where the course te- goes on from there where it's like right yeah now that i know this what am i going to do with this information am i just going to ignore it or mm. am i going to kind of embrace this and become a more open and broad person mm-hmm. this is the, that's this is the problem. It's just like you, when you, you're talking to a lot of people who I think, I think I say you, the Royal you, I think mm. a lot of people are talking to people where um, you, they, they could have their, their minds broadened if you can find the right way of engaging with them and talking to them. But it's whether or not a, they want to go down that route or B, the, the, or, or, or B, if you if they've got the vocabulary or the wish for the knowledge, or if you've got the vo- vocabulary and wish for the knowledge, mm. um, it's it's difficult. I mean, it, it's the difference between ignorance and stupidity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like ignorance so. is you were never taught. Stupidity is you have that information and you still choose to ignore or ignore like it. ignore uh, or interpret it in a way that the information just doesn't correlate mm. to. Mm-hmm. But it's also a ton of it's also trying to establish uh the tribal bounds it's trying mm-hmm. to go is this experience is is this in is this within my bounds or is this outside my bounds and where am i where am i going to put it and it's deciding where to put it 
Well, his, like, there's a huge amount of, tri- of pointless tribalism out there. Like the the, I mean, I I will joke about PC Master Race, um, <laughs> because I have wasted too many hours of my life inside a computer, wrecking my fingers not to pull some really stupid jokes on that front. But th- there are people that just get really angry if you play the wrong console, and yeah. um. The hell? Weirdly, still, I'm, I, it's, <laughs> the fact that it still happens, I get back in like the GameCube era when <laughs> there was a fair amount of like exclusives per platform. But at this point, you probably know what console you want for the experience you want. I'm never going to want to play The Last of Us 2, so I don't care if it's on one console <laughs> yeah. or not others. It's fine. I'm not going to lose sleep. Go, Read Only what, Memories is on everything. Going back to what you're saying about the uh, Ichiko. Um, bundle. There are going to be people out there. I'm not going to go looking for them because you can find any kind of stupidity on Twitter. Mm. There's going to be people out there who are going to be livid about the fact that it's being cited as a games bundle. And they're going to be like, well, they're not real games. They're not real <laughs> gamer people. Gamers didn't raise that money. And I'm just, I can't slap all of them. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to slightly tell off one of the peanut gallery. No, Zaldera, we cannot just agree that all console fans are bad. Like, like what you like, and if you don't agree with somebody else, who cares? Does it really yeah. affect? Does it like? Does it affect me if somebody has an Xbox and I have a PlayStation or a PC? No, we just uh, talk I, about the gaming experience and like talk about Bethesda bugs because they I go across all the consoles. <laughs> I haven't got the the thing is I haven't got the time to play pc games in in that way like mm. my gaming well, my gaming's gone from oh i love buying games and doing this to okay i know fifa comes out every year and i know call of duty comes out every year and all i have to do is put them in and play them and that's it mm. um so therefore that's why i'm doing that um so that's why i have a console also consoles for me Blu-ray players, stuff like yeah. that, entertainment, so, inter-multiplayer yeah. platforms. But to, to kind of broaden it a little bit more, as, as someone who is as an amateur photographer, um, I'm looking at, I find myself, I speak to a lot of women, a lot more women now, mm. um, because I, I'm taking pictures of women. And <laughs> Please clarify that statement because it came off a bit wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I can't. I really, I, I, I struggle with this because I'm, I'm trying to find the right way to go. The best pictures I take are of my friends' kids. You know what that sounds like? Mm-hmm. I mean, charming. Say- <laughs> a great Christmas present. Yeah. Uh, See, yeah. I, I would, I would call it. You are photo. You are take. You are photographing women rather than taking pictures because photographing has a different connotation to I'm taking pictures of women. I understand what you mean, and I, I, I will, I will take that back. And I am photographing women. It's drawings versus etchings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like uh, the, the big thing for the big thing for me is you speak to all all sorts of people, and not only that is I'm looking at a, a culture kind of changing within that because of safety. Uh, so mm. you've had a lot of you've, there's a lot of, of of amateur models and their part time models who are like who are using things like. Only fans, oh, sure. and you're seeing a whole bunch of old, middle-aged white men, really, really frustrated that the women that they could have conversed into their home studios um, <laughs> to to take pictures are just going. Well, I can actually do this from home, and get paid, and do it in the safety. And here, you know, that this is where the two the, the two paths 
split again. And then it's like, mm. right, are you going to embrace the culture and realize that this is changing because of attitudes and safety in this? Or are you going to staunchly be very, very angry that, <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that they just don't want to shoot with you anymore or anything else like that? Are you going to adapt or die? Mm. And that is the big thing. It's it's the idea of looking looking at it and 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 realizing why are you doing what you do. Mm. Like the idea for me is I like photographing people because I like photographing people. Um, when it comes to a lot of other people, they like photographing women because they like mm. to be in they the like facility women. of yeah. women. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not the photography that they like. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's, also, a, there's a story about that as well involving film which oh, scares scares the crap out of me but yeah sorry go on lizzie but also it like uh, certainly like i speaking from the female perspective like i am not what i would consider traditional model like but i've been at conventions and i've been in cosplay and i've had guys trying to persuade me to come up to their room because they have <sighs> like all their photography stuff up there and they'll get so many better pictures and i have quite bluntly told them to off and you know i'm going to report them to con stuff and i do because i recognize that behavior for what it is it is predatory and needs to stop but do you know how many times i went to con staff about this behavior and i was told oh don't rock the boat they're harmless it's not a problem and then like later on like it turns out wasn't exactly harmless because i am bullshy as all heck and i will some poor little 16 year old girl who first time at a convention and this, there's this really nice guy who's told her how cute she is how pretty she is how amazing her cosplay is and she maybe isn't as worldly wise as i am and fell for it and is now traumatized beyond all belief there is a psych there's a psychology but like I've, I've been saying this to a lot of to a lot of people recently like, there's a psychology behind the idea of taking a picture um, and you have to do, I think you, most of the work you have to do is before you even press the shutter. Mm-hmm. And it's really important to kind of get that in your head and, and have your manifesto and have your rules and, and have everything there. I don't, I love the idea of, uh, of taking pictures of, or, or, or photographing, um, female cosplayers or male cosplayers or cosplayers in general, um, I have no qualms with that because I find it an interesting subject to take pictures of when mm. I get the chance. Mm. But there is a way around this and there's a way of talking. What he what what a certain what a certain photographer says is like, oh, the pictures will be better up there. Yeah, there might be some window lights so he can diffuse stuff and yeah, he might be able to get nice skin tones or anything else like that. <laughs> but we all know that is not the point, and it's it's the the flattery to deceive isn't it um mm. which is also which is always the thing and I, my my argument is you don't go with anyone who isn't transparent don't speak to anyone mm. who isn't transparent but mm. that you know that could, i can go on about that in another podcast <laughs> okay that that got a bit heavy so before we wind up um very quickly favorite thing from geekery in the last month that's like straight up Call because ooh. Mm. ooh anything one sec. Let's think. Uh, favorite uh, thing. 
In terms of news or just that's been going on with me, Geek? Something nice. Yeah, man. Uh, been, that kind um, of all started really positive, and then it was just like, by the way, there's some some serious predators out there on the con scene, yeah, which we're all I, missing, I, I, but not I, I in think, that way. I, I think I think in I think in many ways, uh, the con scene is going to change uh, very strongly once we are allowed to go back outside. Um, a lot of the cons that I, at least the cons that I take the time to even attend uh, now, because some of the larger okay. ones that are more careless about it. So uh, why would you go? But cool. um, yes, uh, I've been playing Yakuza Zero recently, and oh my god, uh, a game about beating people up with a bicycle has never been so beautiful <laughs> and so heartwarming. Um, <laughs> Les, um, I'm playing The Last of Us at the moment. I'm about four hours in. Um, it's fantastic, phenomenal st- storytelling. I'm really enjoying what they what they've done w- with it at this moment in time. Um, I haven't got to too much misery as of yet, but I have got to one plot moment which was pretty bad. Mm. Okay, that's that's me. Upbeat, downbeat. That's a nice double combo, <laughs> Lizzie. I think just how lockdown has brought people together like i have discovered friend i've made friends this month that i would never have made because i haven't had to leave the house so i can go on things like twitch more often and start like talking to people and it's like hey you know, you, hey we have a thing in common let's talk more about it and ignore the twitch streamer <laughs> socializing through social isolation something like that Anyway, <laughs> and that was the big stomp for June here in the Bunkerzilla Bunker. Hey. My thanks go to Leslie. Anything you want to plug? Um, uh, you can find me anywhere. Just Google Afrofilm Viewer. It'll be me. Okay. <laughs> Nathan. Hi, I'm the androgynous Android game show host from the future, Nathan Blades. Uh, you can follow me on Twitch at The Neon Caster, uh, where we stream cyberpunk video games and tabletop RPG one-shots. Uh, we are currently doing a big campaign based around the Persona video games, Card Arcana Core, um, and it's very, very cool, and I put a lot of effort into it. I also designed tabletop RPGs, uh, which are on that channel, but you can find all of this stuff, all of this stuff, at uh, Phantom Arts Ent, Phantom Arts Ent on Twitter. Yay. And the red-headed rambler, Lizzie. Yeah, I live up to my username. Uh, yeah, come find me on Twitter, Facebook. Probably Facebook is better because um, I go on there more than I do on Twitter for the moment. Uh, I'm also on Twitch. I do a thing every Sunday. It's a little thing, you know, on the Bunkerzilla website, uh, website, bleh, Twitch channel. We're playing Dragon Age. Come and watch me get kicked in the emotional feels. <laughs> <laughs> Every Sunday at seven. Okay. And I am the Ragley Man. You can find me on the Bunkerzilla Discord every Thursday. Well, most Thursdays, except for when we're doing this, for the Trash or Treasure live live viewing. And this Sunday, I will be haranguing the needlessly aggressive crew into another piece of performance mediocrity. Uh, so join us on facebook for that uh thank you to our lovely viewers on twitch tonight in the peanut gallery thank you you have been wonderful thank you so much (laughs) uh if you like the show please tell your friends if you want to be in the peanut gallery simply join us at 8 p.m on the 30th of july guests will be announced sooner then if you have a topic for us discuss for us to discuss you can let us know by joining the bunkerzilla stomping grounds on facebook uh through the official Bunkerzilla Facebook page, which is lovely, and I don't keep on misposting to it at all. Uh, don't forget, <laughs> there's tons of exciting stuff broadcast here on the Bunkerzilla Twitch channel 
all across the week. We're trying to get regular updates on what's happening when station control has all that news and does huge amounts of work on that as always thank you uh this weekend ian will be playing chapter one of batman the the telltale series at 3 p.m and lizzie will be continuing her adventures in dragon age origins on sunday from 7 p.m make sure you follow us at bunkerzilla uk on twitch so you don't miss a show including big stomp we'll be back 30th july you uh that's me that's pointless right so from everyone in the bunker good night he is the gang for life